The Built by Bama online podcast presents Daybreak for Wednesday, June the 10th, 2020. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL with you here on Daybreak three times per week, Monday morning, Wednesday morning, and Friday mornings. You can catch us first thing to get your day going with a cup of Crimson Tide. It's a happy, a happy morning around Casa de Ryer. I'm going to tell you why, because as the parents of an incoming freshman at the University of Alabama, we got word yesterday, as I'm sure more than a few of you did as well, that tuition at the University of Alabama will not increase for a fourth straight year. Undergraduate tuition, specifically at UA, will remain steady for residents of the state of Alabama. This according to a release from UA on Tuesday. And look, with as many classes that are online these days, probably shouldn't go up, should it? Maybe it should go down, all these online classes that we're seeing on college campuses and at universities around the country. Either way, we'll take it. Not complaining. A cup of coffee tastes a little bit better this morning, knowing that there at least isn't going to be a hike in the tuition rates at the University of Alabama for the 2020-2021 academic year. On the sports front, a couple of things we're going to get to before establishing an over-under for sacks per game for the Alabama defense in 2020. You saw on Tuesday afternoon that Chadarius Townsend, the redshirt junior athlete at the University of Alabama, has decided to follow most recently Tyrell Shavers and also Markel Benton into the NCAA transfer portal. Now, during his three years in the program, Jadarius Townsend bounced around a pretty good bit. Came to the Alabama Crimson Tide as a part of that 2017 recruiting hall, a four-star prospect, a top 10 athlete prospect, according to the 24-7 Sports composite rankings for that 2017 cycle. Saw time in the secondary, saw time at wide receiver. Last season, you saw Jadarius Townsend primarily at the running back position. And it was tough because, really from this outset for Chadarius Townsend, because he came to Alabama in a class that was loaded with prospects at the positions where he was most likely to impact, primarily running back. In that 2017 class, you had Najee Harris, you had Brian Robinson. Then you look at the wide receiver hall from 2017, you're talking Jerry Judy, you're talking Henry Ruggs III and Devontae Smith before you got to even Terrell Shavers in that class. Then you add in Jalen Waddell in the 2018 cycle, and it's an exceptionally crowded field of offensive skill player candidates and primary competition that Chadarius Townsend was going to have to navigate to find his way to a role of prominence. Even when you look to 2020 and this latest recruiting cycle for Alabama, you've got a trio of incoming wide receivers in Javon Baker, Tyu Jones-Bell, Trayshawn Holden. You also have three freshman backs that have also entered the mix now at Alabama behind Najee Harris and Brian Robinson to go along with Trey Sanders from a year ago. There's also Keelan Robinson to consider at the running back spot. So it ends up 
which at Arius Townsend seen action in 19 career games with the Crimson Tide, with most of that coming in the 2018 season, and largely that action took place on special teams. The good news for Chedarius Townsend as an early enrollee in 2017, and you're seeing this with Terrell Shavers and some other guys as well, works well probably for both sides in situations like this with early enrollees, able to get in the program, get your feet wet, but also get a jump start on your academic work. So if you find yourself three years down the road and perhaps the football situation isn't exactly what you would like, you can go ahead and finish that degree work and have grad transfer status, which with Townsend, Shavers, we're talking about two more years of eligibility. Also on Tuesday, earlier in the day on Tuesday, you got word that Alabama and South Alabama have agreed to a two-for-one in men's basketball The Crimson Tide and Jaguars will get together starting this season here in Tuscaloosa. You'll have a home game for USA down in Mobile, sandwiched between the two home games for the Crimson Tide. And so when you look at the non-conference aspect of Alabama's 2020-2021 schedule, starting to really come together now with South Alabama joining that mix Here in the last few weeks, we've learned of the University of Houston and Alabama getting together for a home-and-home over the next two seasons. You're going to have that trip to the Maui Invitational, or at least that's the expectation. There is a neutral site matchup with the Clemson Tigers over at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. So the non-conference aspect of this upcoming schedule, again, becoming more clear. Interesting that Alabama and South Alabama, just three meetings all time in men's basketball. You know, the first time they met, I remember more vividly than either of the other two games. And you should because it came in the 1989 NCAA tournament, the opening round over there in Atlanta. Speaking of Atlanta, in the old Omni, first round of the 89 tournament, and the Jags hit a three late to knock off Wimp Sanderson's Crimson Tide. Alabama actually had a chance on the other end with Keith Askins taking a little bit of a mid-range jumper that came up short. Alabama won the next two meetings, both of those in the regular season, one of those in December of 1998, the other December 1st in 2010. And with that, we'll head to our break. When we come back, we are going to establish an over-under for sacks per game for the Alabama defense in the 2020 college football season. It is Daybreak, part of the Built by Bama online podcast. Again, we hope if you haven't already, go ahead and give us a subscription there at the Built by Bama online podcast. Leave us a review and a rating as well. We would certainly appreciate that. Back with more at Daybreak on a Wednesday right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so let's go through the process of establishing an over-under for sacks per game for the Alabama defense in the 2020 season. Let's look back first and foremost as we get going here on the segment. 
for Alabama in 13 games in the 2019 season. 32 sacks. That comes out to two and a half per contest. A little bit lower than that, just in conference play, 2.4. So about on par, about what you would expect over the course of a season for a team with just 32 sacks in 13 games. So to put Alabama's sack production from a year ago into perspective, you consider that 2.5 per game and 2.4 just in conference action. That was Alabama's lowest since a stretch through the 2013 and 2014 seasons when the Crimson Tide averaged 2.2 overall and 2.1 in league play in 2014. A year earlier in 2013, just 1.7 sacks per game for that Alabama defense actually had a higher number in league play seven years ago at 2.1 per contest. For the sake of comparison, Consider that Florida led the SEC in sacks a year ago with 49 total compared to Alabama's 32. Now, Florida's production was a good bit higher than even its nearest competitor, which was LSU. And we all know Florida defensive coordinator Todd Grantham likes to dial up the heat. He also had a couple of veteran edge guys a year ago down in Gainesville and Jonathan Greenard, the grad transfer the Gators welcomed from Louisville, and also Jabari Zuniga. Looking at some more historical perspective from the Alabama vantage point, Two years ago in 2018, the Crimson Tide actually led the SEC in sacks with 45 in 15 games. Comes out to three per contest. But when you talk about just SEC play, Alabama ratcheted it up a notch two seasons ago. 3.8 sacks per game in 2018. So when you look at it from that vantage point, that's a sack and a half more per game in league play than what you saw from Alabama a year ago, 2017, 40 sacks for Alabama in 14 games. It came out to 2.9 overall, 3.3 in SEC play. Look, you've had some years, especially 2015 and 2016. Those two seasons, Alabama had 106 total sacks between the 2015 and 2016 campaigns. In 2016, With guys like Jonathan Allen, Dalvin Tomlinson, Deshaun Hand, Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, Rashawn Evans. I know. I'll stop. I know. It's painful after a while for Alabama fans. Alabama averaged 3.6 sacks per game in 2016, 3.9 in SEC play. A year earlier, in 2015, Alabama averaged more than four sacks per game in SEC contests. Just looking at the numbers in all this, you think about the era of football we're in, right? And your immediate thought is that, well, there's more opportunities to get after the quarterback than there were even eight or nine years ago. And I think that's true to an extent, but I think it's also true that the type of quarterback you're trying to pressure has changed a good bit. The Redwoods, the statuesque quarterbacks of a decade or so ago not as many of those kind of guys around we're going to run down a little bit later some of the dual threat and some of the athletic and mobile quarterbacks that Alabama will have to contend with during the 2020 season you also have an RPO game that is so prevalent in today's sport today's game that you have to respect the run action that helps out against pass rushes keeping those type of 
individuals that are getting after quarterbacks, honest at least. Getting back to how the game has changed, though, it is interesting to consider numbers from even eight or nine years ago. You think about that 2011 Alabama defense, and you would think it would have put up big numbers. And relative to the era, the numbers from that 2011 defense in terms of sacks, they were respectable. But that defense was so dominant, almost to a fault, in terms of impacting its pass rush numbers. You know, when you're holding opponents to a third down conversion rate under 25%, you're not on the field a lot. And that was the case in 2011. You know, that defense nine years ago averaged just 55 snaps per game. Man, if you're around 70 per game these days, you're doing pretty good. And that was also in a 13-game season, too. So you have to take number of games and schedule into account as well. And speaking of schedule and the variety of skill sets at the quarterback position that Alabama can expect to see during the upcoming season, you're looking at a Georgia team that is going to go from very much a traditional pocket style passer in Jake Fromm to what is expected to be more of a dual threat in RPO game with Jamie Newman, the grad transfer coming in there from Wake Forest. Newman will present mobility to the Alabama defense, as could John Rice Plumley of Ole Miss, rushed for over 100 yards here in Tuscaloosa against the Crimson Tide a season ago. Kellen Mond of Texas A&M is going to bring that to the mix. Bo Nix of Auburn is going to offer up some of that, but you're still going to have some prototypes as well, assuming that Jared Guarantano stays in place as the starter at Tennessee. Felipe Franks is now at Arkansas after transferring out of Florida. You know, Franks can run. I wouldn't say he's a very willing runner. That's what made him a little bit of an odd fit for Dan Mullen's offense down in Gainesville. You're going to have a pocket guy and Miles Brennan in all likelihood at LSU. And perhaps the most intriguing quarterback we'll talk about in terms of opposition for Alabama all season is KJ Costello at Mississippi State. You know Mike Leach is going to ramp it up in the passing game. Part of the thing to consider there, too, though, is that Leach, very much a proponent of getting the ball out quickly, which makes it difficult at times to roll up the sacks. But Costello is not a dual threat, to be sure. He is a classic 6'4", 6'5", 225, 230 type of pocket guy. So Alabama will know where to find K.J. Costello. So with an understanding of the 2020 schedule, and the quarterbacks associated with that slate and the challenges they'll bring to the Alabama defense, you start to look inward at this Pete Golding defense and ask the question, where will the pass rush production come from during the upcoming season? Well, that's where you have some concern, especially on the edges, because of Alabama's 32 sacks in 2019, 14 came from the duo of Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis. So in terms of defensive linemen, Alabama got just seven and a half sacks from defensive linemen, from ends and nose tackles during the 2019 season. Now, a big part of that sort of dip in production was that you had a critical injury three weeks into the season to LeBron Ray who you were projecting to be one of your better overall pass rushers a year ago. He only appeared in three games. You didn't get 
what you hoped for out of Raquan Davis in terms of a bounce back year from 2018 and a surge in his pass rush number. So you were pretty much left to a lot of first and second year players to try and pick up the slack. And that's where you saw some promise from Christian Barmore as a redshirt freshman. You got a lot of experience for some talented newcomers like Byron Young, Justin Aboigby, and DJ Dale. So yeah, it's reasonable to think there could be sort of a reversal in 2020 where with all the returning experience and talent that you do have on that defensive front returning and what you hope to be a healthy LeBron Ray over the course of an entire season, it's not all that difficult to envision a good bit more than seven and a half sacks from your defensive line in 2020. Where you look as much as anywhere with a little bit of a concerned eye, is on that edge again. Keem Wakuda in his second year in the program. Christopher Allen, now a veteran. Kevin Harris coming off a redshirt year. Jerez Parks has been around. Ben Davis is a fifth-year senior. These are guys on the edge that you anticipate taking a step forward, although I think as much as anything, the excitement comes in with what, Guys like Will Anderson, Chris Braswell, Drew Sanders, Q Robinson, as true freshmen might be able to do in that pass rush as edge guys, with an emphasis probably as much on the few guys that are physically ready to go. Because of how the offseason has been thrown into flux, You know, so many of these guys were expected to be on hand for spring practice in March and April. That went by the board, so... Who is ready to play from a physical perspective? And Will Anderson seems to be one of those guys, maybe Drew Sanders, Chris Braswell perhaps on a situational basis. You know, and you've got some wild cards to consider in this too. We think about pass rush just in terms of defensive linemen and jack linebackers, outside linebackers. Well, you've got some guys at some other positions that through your pressures uh, and through your dime rabbits, you know, you can switch things up with your personnel groupings. You know, Dylan Moses, assuming he's back to full go coming off that knee injury, he's a guy who in his past has worked on the edge. You can line him up on the edge like a Rashawn Evans, do some different things with him depending on down and distance. Christian Harris, I think, is along those lines as well. Going into his second year in the program, you've got some guys in the secondary that could emerge as effective blitzers, whether it's Jordan Battle from the safety position, maybe a young guy like DeMarco Ellums in the dime package working there at the uh, money position, perhaps. You've got star defenders that traditionally in Nick Saban defenses have been very effective getting after the quarterback in some pressure looks. Javier Arenas was one of, still one of the very best to do it under Nick Saban. So with all those factors in mind and anticipating improved production from the defensive line positions, but with the uncertainty on the edge, I'm thinking the number will go up this season but not enough to convince me to set it above 2.75 sacks per game. That would be up from two and a half. That's a quarter sack more overall per contest than what the Crimson Tide produced a year ago. So you going over or you going under the 2.75? What do you got? That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. 
Once again, we hope you'll keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for all your news and conversation related to the Crimson Tide. We thank you once again for joining us here on the Built by Bama online podcast as well. Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great rest of your Wednesday. So long, everybody.